Hey guys, just a bit of housekeeping before we get into it. Starting from this week, I've added an after show to the podcast. In addition to the usual episodes, which you can access wherever you are listening from right now, I'm going to be offering a companion show called Back Matter on Patreon. Think of it like the green room to the podcast. Each week, I'll offer unedited conversations I have with guests after we stop recording the main show. The conversation continues, it's looser, if you can believe that. There's gossip, confessions, and more. This is exclusive to Patreon. You can access it by going to patreon.com slash gettinglit. Paying $5 gives you access to the full archive of the podcast, the after show back matter, as well as the occasional bonus patron exclusive episode. Remember, that's patreon.com slash getting lit. See you over there. Okay, let's get into it. You know, he's, he's really, uh, he, he's shameless in intellectual argument. He's absolutely without character, a moral foundation, or even intellectual substance. Uh, welcome back to Getting Lit. <laughs> um, last episode, we talked about uh, the Kinks uh, discography. That was really fun with uh, Matt Fresta at his house, actually, which was cool. Uh, and this episode, we are talking about Kelby Losack's uh, new collection of short stories, God is Wearing Black. And I have a um, very special guest to talk about that with, Kelby Losack, the author <laughs> of said collection. What it do? <laughs> I love that Kinks episode. These uh, environmental episodes when you're out and about, like, uh, I love that shit because it it's weird what sound can do to uh, the imagination. Like you're y'all are talking about this shelf that like we can't see mm. and you're like, it feels like you're moving around. Like, you know, you fall back away from the microphone and everything. Mm-hmm. There's music playing in the background. And so I'm just like picturing this, uh, this kind of grand, like wing of a a desert castle almost <laughs> is what I was imagining, but I'm just like, damn! I'm well, thinking I, in my head. I'm like, he got a nice ass pad, <laughs> but I'm not even seeing the place. I'm really. sure. I'm sure Frest is very flattered by that <laughs> that he lives in the lap of luxury. Um, it is a really cute house, but like, it's full of uh vinyls. Like, uh, clearly he's really into music, and yeah, he just had. All of the kinks, all of his kinks records just all around us. It was incredible. Like, and so I was sort of like pouring through them and playing them as we talked. Um, yeah, it was really good. I love going out and about or to people's houses as well, because it gives you like this, um, yeah, like you said, the, the ab- imaginative space, but it's also like, it's l- nicely textured. Like when we're just mm-hmm. talking, it's great. Uh, because you know we have such uh wonderful voices but like you can't really hear anything in the background because zoom sort of blocks it all out um and you don't really want to hear anything in the background but something like that i thought was a good idea because we literally had the music we were talking about on in the background and um weirdly i'm kind of like i was a little bit hesitant to do that because i was like I don't think I'm very good at talking about music. So uh, I played music and stuff before. So I'm musical, but I don't think I'm good at talking about it. Uh, but every one I've done when I've talked about music, people really seem to love. So, but maybe that's more about the guests than me. So 
no no i I love hearing about music i think it's good conversation starter because i get what you mean it's like what do i say about music like you have to hear it like Mm. and uh i wrote about music for a while and it got burned out very quickly because especially when writing about it (laughs) yeah press f to pay respects they they (laughs) fired me for giving shit 10 10s out of 10 they were like (laughs) I was like, what? It slaps. It's a 10 out of 10. They're like, no, we give things 6.7 or 7.4 around here. <laughs> or 3.0 if mm-hmm. they're Iggy Azalea or a Mexican that says the N-word. Yeah. We give it <laughs> we give that shit a 3.0. <laughs> well, not anymore, they don't, so yeah. No? Oh no, you d- you didn't hear the news? They've been brought up and like uh it's sort of like the idea is that it's the end of pitchfork. Oh hell yeah! Yes. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Rest in peace. So anyway, what you're saying about writing about music? Oh, but yeah, I just got burned out real quick because it's hard to like articulate what. There's certain albums that I can say what it means to me and why. Like I can tell a story about putting you in a place that that's where I was when I heard that. Mm-hmm. Like, but. Like to me, ASAP Rocky's uh, Long Live ASAP is like my favorite album. Not the greatest album of all time or whatever, but my favorite album. Because every time I put it in, I just like shrink inside of myself and like time. So I'm just like, there's just so much of what I was into at that time. So much near death experiences. Like I barely escaped. My, uh, my daughter, my oldest child, she was like, um because I, I i had a kid at a very young age and like we went through a lot of shit together she and i and i was not the best dad starting out with her and everything but she and i are like really a lot alike and now and everything but um she just turned 13 actually but wow. uh yeah <laughs> yeah i got a fucking teenager <laughs> but um she would she was little when that came out she was like one or two and she would sing i don't know if you've heard that album but there's a uh there's a track on it that has just like a refrain like a female singer on a refrain and it's like this uh sort of positive pull your, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps kind of thing and she would sing that part like the girl part in the back seat and I'd be rapping along to the song and everything. And so now like uh, just after everything like distance and coming out of all that all bullshit and everything, I put that album on and especially that track, I'll just start like crying. Mm. I'm like, this is, this is the best album ever, even though it's not really, but <laughs> to me it is. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I find about, yeah. Writing about music. Music is one of these things that, unlike a lot of arts, is very personal. Like, it is about where you were when you first heard that album or that song or whatever. And so, when people write about it, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's not its not like writing about your impressions of a book. It's like, it seems more subjective in a way, you know, um, and subjective in a way that's not necessarily good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I feel like... Using using a, a piece of work to uh, jump off and talk about something else is all well and good, but uh, you're not actually talking about the music. But then you can't mm. talk about the music itself either because then you get into sort of like this 
musicological, musicological nerdish sort of, um, oh yeah, used um, uh, kind of. Uh, what's some? I'm I'm thinking, trying to think of some musical terms. Oh, like, like octaves eight, eight and times like, yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it gets into uh, every- that shit. Yeah, every guitar nerd who has ever explained to me why Tool was the greatest band of all time, and I'm not allowed to argue. <laughs> okay, Tool. I liked Tool growing up, but that was. I'm being re- really honest here, and I think that a lot of that was the um really edgy uh, uh videos, <laughs> like like. So there were better bands than them. People make out like they're this, you know, massive, uh, you know, musical geniuses and stuff like that. But come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fuck with the perfect circle a lot. Mm. I mean, Tool, mm. Tool is cool. And to me, yes, it was the video. It absolutely was the videos. Also being, you know, time and place, your history with the shit. When I first saw some of those Tool videos, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Everyone, um... Everyone doesn't like is really surprised when they learn that I was into metal when I was when I was a teenager. I'm like, why is that? Because I'm gay. You fucking racists. <laughs> you racists. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I feel like every. I don't know if it's. I mean, this is my personal experience. Everybody had a metal phase. Like everybody I know. I'm. I'm not even like, hey, you ever heard this? I just assume. Because of mm. course you did. We kind of, we also all listen to the same shit because we grew up with the radio mm-hmm. where you were forced to like switch between stations. And we also grew up with the record store where, you know, you could get different shit, but you, the likelihood that you'd stumble across the same shit was pretty high. And, you know, people, people talk. I grew up in a small town and shit. And so like, you kind of just are like, what are you listening to? And so, so where actually, because we're talking about your work, where did you actually grow up? Because you're in Houston now, and a lot of your stories are sort of based around Houston. So it's a real like, there's a real sense of place to that. But where did you, where did you actually grow up? Yeah, so I'm in B County, which is like where I live right now is next to the Gulf. It's south of Houston. And a lot of people around here, they're just like, I'm from Houston. I'm from Houston. Okay. And anybody yeah. north Texas, when they're like, hey, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Houston. Because nobody knows where down here is. And they're just like, oh. But it's like, it's not not true because everything down here is so heavily influenced by Houston. The swang, the, I mean, there's swangas on vehicles going up and down the street. There's like, uh, there's a fucking trap house with a Hyundai around the corner that's got uh swangers on every tire including the spare that's tied to the trunk and it's this beat up fucking hyundai is hilarious explain um, swangers to us because i don't know what that is you don't know it's okay right. so swangers swangers are these rims they're like uh they're wire rims on a pole that sticks out away from the tire so like it'll stick out it can stick out up to like two feet away from the tire <laughs> with these wires that connect at the uh at the uh, peak of it right yes i have seen those i didn't know that was a term for them but yeah okay yeah all right yeah swangers uh texas wire wheels uh they're yeah they're they're swangers i don't know the 
Hey, that's the only term for it. The people who came <laughs> up with that shit. That's what they called them. So that's the official, that's the real term for it. Swangers sounds kind of Aussie, actually. It sounds like a swangers. Uh, swangers. <laughs> I'm going to put swangers on my ride. <laughs> you sound like the Ramones, not an Australian. <laughs> oh, no, I'm bad at the, Dave, Dave is the one with the accents. But... <laughs> yeah, he's not that good either. He probably thinks he's really good. Like, <laughs> I guarantee you, he's gonna try and he's gonna try and do it when like we meet up uh, later this year. He's gonna try and do an Australian accent at me. Oh, I, I I... yeah, crikey, <laughs> that's not a knife. <laughs> no, so um, what was it? Where was I going with this? Oh yeah, so Houston. Um, oh, so yeah, where I grew yeah. up. Like, so I was I was born up in Hill Country, and uh like like just like hill hills rocks and hills have eyes hills mountains yeah hills have eyes here well mexicans have eyes more like hills hills have ojos i grew up in the hills have ojos uh it was funny i was the little um i was the little blonde baby the little blonde baby around there and so they'd always be wanting to touch my hair and everything for good luck and shit but um we when i was little little uh we moved down here like and just bounced around b county which b county is like houston because it's houston adjacent but it's like super rural too it's city i mean we got skate parks we got like you know all kinds of shit and houston is just right there like we're not Mm -hmm. out in the boonies necessarily but like there are long stretches of cow pasture and so there's like this dichotomy of urban rural living that is very much i've never really seen it in many other places besides like when i went to florida a little bit i got the sense that like i feel like some florida like we might be the florida of texas Mm. because it's like trailer park cow pastures but like swangas and rap and dope we're a big dope city like oh really uh, yeah because the gulf is right there like all that shit coming in from mexico and colombia and shit like yeah we're a big uh we were on the fbi top 10 list for like over a decade (laughs) for 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 all the uh fucking traffic so it's sort of like it's sort of like when you when you talk about you're from houston it's almost like um kind of like dallas which i know pretty well 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 enough but you know the idea of the metroplex like someone might be from fort worth but they would say to outsiders oh, yeah, i am from dallas right you right know? yeah 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 roy city or like uh temple or someplace they're like oh, i'm from dallas yeah yeah and it's yeah. like yeah because why you ain't gonna be like i'm from temple like, yeah yeah so uh, <laughs> that's that's really interesting too that you talked about the that kind of influence of the gulf uh like as this setting this rural urban kind of stuff because i got i got that sense uh, i've never been to houston all that side of texas but i really got that sense of place in a lot of these stories i mean i'm guessing not all of these stories are set there but i'm most of them are right i'm correct in assuming that oh like, yeah 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 for sure all the uh, the ones that i can remember i mean there's one that takes place in like from san juan to uh fort bragg but mm-hmm uh the majority of oh, yeah, them that's that a good I can... one. thank you yeah the majority of them that i can remember are around here to the point where the pub the publisher who first put that story out he was like oh so 
you're like a real writer, huh? Yeah. I was like, the fuck you mean I'm a real writer? He was you're like, like nah, he was like, like, where are the wiggers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 he was like but all, where are the know, jugglers you do, you do this thing you do you do that you know all that shit but this is like this is like i don't know i kind of was offended but no no but... that that was really cool though like the way the way because normally i don't always read a collection like straight through like because normally i'll just sort of pick it up and you know I'll be grabbed by a title or something mm-hmm. uh, or, or if I know the story from somewhere else, I might like, you know, skip that and then go to the second one or something like that. But um, the, the way that you've like structured this, like in terms of the story order, I'm, clearly you thought about it. You didn't just like shuffle them because it's like, you, you get all that kind of like, shall we say more, urban stuff at the, <laughs> at, the, at the front and then like i think actually that story um which i'm blanking on the name what, what's the name can you tell me what the name is the Ch- puerto rican one. chicken and waffle oh the snowy graves of camp bragg yeah yeah that just like yeah it comes out of nowhere and like sort of surprises you you think you're going to get another one of these sort of like desperate yet funny slice of life kind of uh houston like area sort of stories and then it's like oh this is a historical fiction so i loved how you did that and then that's that's the point at which the collection kind of goes into these other sort of directions so yeah that was really cool i love that thank you yeah no i put a lot of time into like rearranging that shit just to even even in thinking of like okay the first line now, how's this last line in this story? What does that look like if I transition into this story now? And I thought of the, the way that, like, uh, I always wanted to be in music. So I think of, like, structuring novels, even chapters. I think of putting them in order of, like, like I'm thinking of an album, how that flows. And uh, especially with these being totally separate stories, I was very conscious of that. Mm-hmm. So I like that you read it that because obviously, I mean, people are going to, I do the same thing. I just skip around and whatever, whatever catches my eye. I don't even give the person a chance who like slaved over their table of contents. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh, that sounds cool. Let me go check that story. <laughs> like, What's that about? But no, I'm glad, I'm glad you fucked with that and read it that way. Cause uh, yeah, I was really, I was really conscious of that. I'm glad it flows too. Yeah, cause... yeah, it it really does. Like I would say, anyone who buys this, and you should buy this when it's available. Um, but anyway, you you must read it like from the first story to the end. Like that's the way you should read it. Like it's it's very much it's very cohesive in that way. Um, I actually haven't. You know, I'm kind of like you guys over at Agitator, um, where I don't you know, you just have notes or anything like like that i have thoughts that that are just going to come out randomly but i really hope that this episode is just not me saying this was cool this is cool this is cool point. <laughs> but i'm not i'm not blowing smoke because like i really love your writing i think you're like you know one of the best that like i've read quite honestly and i think everyone needs to read read you uh and so you know that's why i've got you on to talk about some of these stories but um in terms of the structure of this, what what would you say? Um, well, what's what short story do you want to talk about? <laughs> what's the one that you're particularly proud of that you want to Shit. talk about? Um, chicken and waffles has been hitting people lately. Yes. I, I I threw that joint at the front 
on purpose too to hook in the in the event that people do just open it up and what's this first joint all about like i wanted to hit them hard because uh that's like a again going back to music that's when i've taken on the road a bit and flexed out live you know a little bit and uh people really fuck with that and i i mean shit i really fuck with it i was like i really uh i really put my foot off in this one when i when i (laughs) finished it i was like god damn bro like i knew you was good but shit it has like every every single story has um that what i i've been sending i've been sending my work around um to like i've written a novel and i've sent it around to some friends and um a lot of them really fuck with it which is good like it's it's sort of like and i know they're not the sort of people who would say that but wouldn't think it they would just say nothing if they didn't think it was good but, um <laughs> one of them said that uh they felt when that ended that kind of sad feeling you feel like, even if it's not a sad story, it's like, Oh, the story's over. Like, uh, like I felt that through every story on this, you know, when you read a story and you're kind of like, damn, it's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like, but um, it's, that's a weird feeling to explain, I think, because it's, it's something that um, if you read a lot, you get, because sometimes you'll finish something and be like, what the fuck was that? Why'd I waste like an hour of my life reading this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, there's ones that'll hit you and you know, that was a, you're you're not left with a, Oh man, it's over, but it's still, it lingers with you. Like you slap so hard that it like, you keep thinking about it and thinking about it. And it's kind of um, melancholic, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then there's the ones where you are, you're like, Oh shit, that's over. Like I kind of have an idea of where like it's it's not that it ended too early, but it's like I I kind of we we were just getting to know each other, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes, like... that's a that's a good that's that that's the um I guess that's the sort of like downside of the short form, which I would I did want to talk to you about this because I've heard you uh, say I think it was on your last episode on Agitator, uh, where you were talking about how you guys aren't really short form. Like you, you prefer like a longer form. So, uh, why the hell did you write a short story collection? Then? Well, it's so I'm late to the party. I'm like mm. ten years in the game. If uh, shit, how old? I'm like thirteen years in the writing game now, and dropping my first collection. When usually that's supposed to be, if you don't have a debut novel and that's kind of your end, that seems to be the new thing to like mm-hmm. drop a debut usually auto fiction type thing but like i knew people were just like a collection or maybe a few collections before they're like okay and now i'm I'm gonna tackle my novel and i was like bro how y'all come up with so many stories just the structure of it because it's just like i have this i guess the way that i think about how much i want to tell how much of the story i want to be there ends up being like not a novel but like a really short book but like a really really long short story and it's like this is kind of an awkward size to try Mm -hmm. and pitch to people i should just make it a little longer and make it a book Mm -hmm. so that's a one of my early ideas for mercy even was a short story and then uh that became 
I got the rest of the idea and thought, oh shit, that works for for merging with this idea and this will be the next book. But uh, short stories are just a they're a weird structure, yeah, because you don't just want it to be like a piece of something where it feels like a chapter taken out of something else. It's like it has to be its own thing, but within like less than 5,000 words. So like 10, 20 pages to be like, here's a whole story. And like, there's plenty of those where, you know, like a legend, like a campfire legend or like a cowboy who has this wild story that he tells at the bar. But then I'm always like, okay, but what is that? cowboy character do afterwards like where does he come from so you want to you want to weave a fucking book yeah, yeah. you want to <laughs> weave it into something bigger right like um and that's uh that's actually a lesson uh that i kind of took away from our reading of gene wolf earlier well last year can you believe we started that in july last year it feels like we just did it yesterday <laughs> that's that's crazy yeah this is crazy yeah so uh if you haven't gone back and listened to that that's a great series where we go through the entire every volume of the um book of the new sun by gene wolf but like his like he takes his time that's it's sort of like an old it's an older writer thing i think like he's he's taking his time he's not he's not fussed he's like he's gonna meander a bit and you're gonna like Mm. it (laughs) Mm. you know like whereas i think when you're young you just want to like you know get it out there like produce like really tight you know uh stuff and it's usually kind of on the slimmer side uh and you know trimming back a lot of fat but you know sometimes i think even glenn said this on one an episode he did with me where um sometimes you want a bit of fat you know like Mm -hmm. uh and readers do definitely Oh yeah, no readers do a lot, especially sci-fi fantasy readers. I put mm-hmm. uh I put Mercy in this uh in this little giveaway thing for uh, oh, yeah. well it wasn't a giveaway, it was like a massive sale on a sci-fi fantasy thing. And so it got a lot of eyes on it and uh a lot of people don't fuck with that book cuz <laughs> it's short Well, a lot of science fiction fans probably don't. Yeah. yeah. Science fiction people that no, nah, that's more for like anime people. Yeah. Or uh, uh, literary weirdos, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How does the, how does the metal arm work? Why didn't you talk about the servos? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sort you're just you're just dropping pronouns without explaining where or proper nouns without explaining their origins <laughs> and what where did this company come from? What did, what is a I don't even remember what the fuck I call any of that <laughs> shit in there. What is a head trip? Like what mm. is <laughs> What Who is cares? the technology? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you care so much? Use your imagination. You know, like, it's really funny about, like, those sorts of genres, like horror, science fiction, fantasy. The people who read, you know, the most ir- imaginative genres or potentially most imaginative genres have no imagination, <laughs> you uh, know? Yeah. yeah. And they'll read, like, Lord of the Rings. So everything will ape off of Lord of the Rings. And then there'll be a fantasy book that's exactly Lord of the Rings that doesn't explain the like magic system or something. And they're like, so how does this work? Have you read Lord of the Rings? It works like that. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) It's the same thing you've been reading. It's just a different author. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I've never understood that way of reading. Like, and I did use, I 
read that stuff a lot when I was a kid, a lot more than I do now, but like, and I still fuck with some of it, but like, you know, that was the majority of what I read when I was a teenager. I read all the science fiction and the fantasy and stuff, but I never thought of it like that. Like I was just like, this is like a nerdy D&D way of reading books. It's yeah, like, yeah, and I, I yeah but what was what the main character's like. dexterity level? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, bro, lit RPG is like the top genre right now. Hmm. Like that shit sells like crazy. And it it's that extremely autistic D&D setup shit where it is literally like this character's dexterity plus one, blah, blah. You're like reading as if you're playing a game like what the hell Mm. is this Mm. i love um in the uh these stories in particular the uh the ones around it's the more realistic ones so the more kind of hood rat sort of ones (laughs) um the uh i mean realistic as in not like the werewolf ones and things like that but like they feel like like you were saying this sort of oral tradition storytelling campfire stories in a way like it's or like just people shooting the shit like just telling you about this random guy like chicken and waffles is like that but like just stories about people in the in the neighborhood or whatever i love that element of it and it's something that is real actually very hard to pull off i think like reading something that um sounds like it's being spoken to you uh if you know what i mean like yeah so how do you pull that off, Kelby? Give spill the sauce for any like uh, writing writers out there. So it's kind of it's easy to write in that way because you're just talking, but it's hard to pull off well once it translates to the page. So I started doing that and talked to I started doing it out of necessity as like a talk to text whenever mm-hmm. Rowan was born. That was kind of like I was writing, but I was struggling to actually put the shit on paper. And I was like, okay, let me try the typewriter. No, typewriter's too noisy. Um, Let me try the computer. The computer's too hard to open up and sit down with them. Let me try my phone. That's better. But I tried talking it out, and I was like, oh, shit. This is the way to burn through this shit. And so, but just like that just like how i just kind of you get what i'm where i'm going with it so i stop my sentence and then i jump onto another sentence there's shit like that that you do when you talk that you have to kind of get used to like okay there are moments where you got to explain more of what's going you got to be more writer than you are speaker and how you're presenting it but then there's also like the way that people talk a lot of um I've always said this anytime criticism against the amount of N words comes up in my books is like, if y'all were around the conversations I ripped all this from there, I, I X'd a lot of it out because I thought there were too many, like from <laughs> real life. I was like, this is like, it, it sounded different when we were kicking back just, and it was just flying around the room. But when mm-hmm. it goes onto paper, it's like, God damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's and just being hypercritical of like the flow of shit and shit like that, where you're not like some things I like to be phonetic with because I like the way like trying to I don't ever spell out trying to I say trying to because that's how it 
I like the way it looks. Plus, I like that's how it's said. Mm-hmm. But I don't go like full ebonics with everything just because <laughs> it it starts looking goofy. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, it's just fucking around. Like you just got to like experiment with it and be hypercritical of how it looks. Understand that like how it looks when you're reading it is more important is that that's what you're focused on whenever you're actually like taking that story that like campfire like just shooting the shit bar story model once you put that on paper your your concern should be the paper like how Mm -hmm. how does this look now not just like how would this be told to me verbatim how does this read as a as a piece of text now yeah yeah it's a fine balance because uh, you know i don't know if you've ever read a transcript of like an interview or, so, or when you know when they do the auto transcripts they you can do this on zoom i think um and if you yeah. ever read that it's, it's just like it just looks like garbled nonsense like oh, they're, they're so bad rare <laughs> candies are some of the worst because glenn is a great speaker he's a yeah. great radio presence and he never there's never dead air yeah but if you read transcripts it would be like yeah 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 you're like god damn is this this just yeah yeah yeah. what are y'all talking about what are you reading rare candy's transcripts for uh for comparison because ours sucks too (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone's does like yeah it's just the the little obviously that would just be unreadable if you put that in a prose work but like it's getting that kind of rhythm of the 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 realism of people speaking, I think is, and and like also situating the reader in some place, because if it's all just the, that kind of um, tone, it becomes a little overbearing, right? Like the rhythm, it's like, it's, it's, it's a tension thing. Like you want that rhythm, but if you, if it's nothing but rhythm, it becomes, or flow or whatever fucking word you want to use, like, uh, yeah. it becomes really overbearing and like hard to, not even just hard to read, but just, um, kind of exhausting. So you like, you, you pull back from that and then you like, you give a nice little, uh, literary sentence or something like that or, or situate us in a particular place or, or kind of, um, really, uh, go into like someone's internal monologue or things like that. So it can't all just be rhythm. Like, so that's, that's an interesting kind of uh, balance you can strike. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, um my heaviest struggle thing that I've written so far, maybe, maybe just because it's very, very, very much based on real life. So I actually felt it <laughs> as I was writing it, but um, letting out the devils, a lot of people say feels very, funny or uh wholesome or like jack mason of perfume nationalist he called it cozy mm-hmm. and it's like that's kind of that has to be on purpose because it's one of the most ghetto things i've ever written <laughs> so it can't just be full ghetto like mm-hmm. there has to be you know cute shit in it and like just chill shit and like to kind of like balance that out so it's not just uh relentlessly uh, hopeless yeah yeah just (laughs) relentlessly hopeless or like just like crazy overbearing exploitation because i uh 
I, I thought this and I said this when we interviewed her about El Nash's Deliver Me. I was um I loved how exploitative that book felt because to me it felt real. Like I could not really relate to like the like half retarded like female narrator, but or the like bug obsessed weirdo <laughs> husband of hers. But um their environment uh, of like this like white trash like uh working class like or poverty class like i i knew these little details that were in that book that felt exploitative but i was like this is real like and i love that like like so i guess i don't know i guess she strikes a balance by writing in a different she doesn't write the way that i do like with the you know the slang thrown in there and shit so i guess that's where the balance comes out of the prose but the content is very exploitative and i I guess that's just what you, there has to be some kind of balance there. Cause yeah, it, it is no matter how real it might be. Um, it comes across overbearing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a question of voice. Like, I think it's uh like one of the things that I really liked as well in those, those sort of stories was how you, um you go into the second person sometimes and it's like someone telling you a story, you know, when you, I just did it then, you know, when you, um, you use uh-huh. second person to try to illustrate something and it's, it's, it's almost like this, um, it's actually very, I can see that it was very deliberate when, when you did that, but, um, I love that. And I love how, um, yeah, it, they are kind of, um, there's a sort of oral, uh, dimension to them, but like you said, at the end of the day, it is words on a page and, the the sort of there's an alchemy that I think you have and that a lot of you know a lot of people writers who listen to people have which is to transmit that sense of orality onto the page not everyone can do that so um but if you're perceptive you you can I think it's a real it's a real sort of um uh argument for perception when you're as a writer rather than going into yourself and navel gazing you know yeah yeah that's that's all i mean yeah to spill the sauce i mean that's all it is is you you get it out there and then just kind of like rearrange the shit until even paragraph by paragraph you could go and be like this one sings a little more softly and then this next one is just like and then he raped the dog in the ass (laughs) and then this next one is like describing a sunset like Mm. and then this next one's dialogue Mm -hmm. and like very like very realistically delivered dialogue and then you can like as long as you have that uh it's like i don't know to me it's like constructing songs like yeah it's like it it is it's it's always been about like music to me it it can't be all bass like it can't be all treble like it's got to you've got to have like a, a variety to it to sort of make it to make it hit. So, um, Oh, what was my point with that? Like, I was going to make another point like this, how you can be, people get a lot of the, a lot of the time get hung up on like trying to look poetic or like intellectual or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that it's sort of like, it's kind of a balance of all of these things from what I can see that, um, and my own experience too, is that, yeah, like you said, have a poetic sentence about a sunset, next to someone getting their 
head caved in. <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. know, it's that sort of like the beauty comes from the juxtaposition, you know, like of these of these two things. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's like thank you. Uh, I um I screenshotted some shit that I was writing and sent to the uh the Broken River chat and it was like it was just uh it started off like uh they found the bitch at the corner of Overland and Tomio and it talks about one dude he jumped out and scooped her up from behind and carried her back to the Bronco with all three legs pointing forward. And it's like it's not there's nothing real like that I mean it's not flowery or anything, mm-hmm. but um like all of them were like, bro, bars. bars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I, I mean, I felt that too when I wrote it. I was like, damn, this hits. Even though, I mean, it's not, it, it, it's not, I don't know. When you just catch the right rhythm, it just, uh, and I guess, I don't know. I'm kind of a nerd about words too, where it's just like not the way that it sounds, like that hyper intellectual or poetic feel to it, but just, I mean, sometimes we talked about Gene Wolfe a lot. A lot of the, mm-hmm. like, some of his, like, areas of prose would be so just beautiful. They would be poetic and beautiful. And you'd be like, damn. But uh, I don't know. When the, when the shit just bounces along in the mm-hmm. right way, it's like you you can catch that. You catch that beat. Good word, bounces. Like, when when, when prose bounces. Like, when it's... But then sometimes it can sort of just, you know, slide or it can, yeah, yeah there's yeah. different sorts of motion, I, I think. And it depends on the story you're telling. And I like that, like being, I think being a good writer is basically being able to access a variety, a variety of different kinds of movements in your writing, I think, because it can't be all one thing, you know? Yeah. Cause even, yeah, that, that like, there's times to drop some purple prose mm-hmm. like there's times it really works it's just a matter of like uh, like there's that american dad joke when uh francine i don't know if you watch american dad yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. I watch it. okay did you see the one with like francine where she goes to that uh she's trying to be an author or whatever she meets james patterson and shit <laughs> she's like narrating she'll start narrating her book that she hasn't actually written yet or whatever. (laughs) And it's like, it was hot. Like the sun on a summer sidewalk, you know, (laughs) that typical like writerly garbage. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. You don't, when, when you, when you know, you just got to be honest with the vibe. I think when you, mm-hmm. when you just, when you can feel it and you can carry that feeling instead of trying to stay beholden to uh, the words and how, and, and, and you can let go and just kind of let it move without like, so, sometimes I'll, I'll have, I'll do the same thing I do with like uh, when I would rap, or when occasionally I'll get back into rap or whatever, you know, you'll hear a beat or you'll have the beat playing and you'll just be like, because you're like trying to put the rhythm of the words over the mm-hmm. beat. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and put the actual like, okay, what are the lyrics now? Um, I write a lot like that too. Yeah. Cool. Where I'm just like in my head, I can hear how I want this first bar to be, but I don't know what, 
I'm actually like I don't know what the story is about yet, but mm -hmm. we'll figure it out. Wow, that's so interesting. Like um how everyone has different processes. Like I don't I don't really think about the rhythm until like I start I start writing it, I guess. And then but there's things like character names and stuff like that that become important like that you'll realize oh this that the name like is is sort of like a beat in a weird way like it has yes. to you know like that's really interesting too how and i've never really kind of like i said i'm not really a navel gazy person so i'd never really gone into myself to examine this stuff but music is a good metaphor for discussing this because i feel like when whenever something's not working on the page um it's because it's not musical enough if that makes sense <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not it, singing it just, yeah it's not singing it, it mm. falls flat or like it go it hits a weird key and not in a mm. fun like because you can hit an off key and that strike that like slaps people to pay the fuck like that's like hey pay attention right here mm -hmm. like you can kind of lull them for a while and then er and then, oh shit yeah but if you're just scratching on the strings mm -hmm. it's like oh bro this is too too clunky it's too yeah. like you know too many commas say 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 what you're trying to say what what what's going on here <laughs> yeah yeah um and many such cases and some of those cases you guys have read out on your podcast <laughs> yeah oh man testing, testing. All right. You can cut out that other shit. Hey, yo, aim. Yeah, yeah. Run it up, Blondo. Run it up, Blondo. Swangers and put diamonds in our niggas. Fuck drink inside my lemonade till it look like a bitch. See, I come from the D where we got shades and we be flexing. If you ain't from my state, then you should know don't fuck with Hey, we always strap, we keep our weapons. My mama from the A, she slowed it down for me at seven. Used to think Pimpsey was a god before he went to heaven. I knew what pushing P was before Gunner even said it. Hey, she zero taught me keep my weapon And never trust a nigga or a bitch cause it's expected No killers from the country, they ride horses and throw seldoms Got niggas in the east, ride ATVs with Mac 11s First off, you better remember what that sign say before you come down here to this bitch Don't mess with Texas Cause you know everybody around this bitch got guns, Hey, see y'all from Texas We got Beyonce, Trey the Truth, and we can't forget Devin Big shout out to them boys, and I can't forget about them Texas I been feeling like Luca, how about that shit a blessing Number one rule in Texas, keep it solid, ain't no telling Hey, and always keep your fucking weapon A nigga try me, other guys, we got no choice but stretch him If he survived these shots at first, bet he die on that stretch Deep diamonds, I got water, might just go Johnny, my next one Hey, this Texas tea is what I drank Sauce Walker had us dripping, Sauce having hoes and on drink Young Nasa had us jigging, dipping, ain't know how to think Now I got all these niggas stepping, swiping, catching plays Hey Yeah, I, you mentioned before uh, talking about, I can't even remember what the re reference was, but you mentioned honesty. And I think like that, 
that to me is like one of the most important qualities in a writer. Like I cannot stand when something, you know, something ring, when something rings false, it like just, it, it makes, I can't read it anymore. Like, like, like I cannot stand when writers aren't being honest. Like it just makes it terrible if they're not. Yeah. And to the, like, if, So what 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 exact in what context do you mean exactly? Because I think I know what you mean, but like, well, I like in... I forget the context you mentioned, but I just I just like flagged that as like I needed to talk about that. Well, for instance, in your stories, like there's a real kind of um, especially the the first couple ones. We'll, we'll get to the more supernatural ones later, but um, the first ones there's a sort of like rawness to them that. And it's raw, be- not necessarily because it's like all blood and guts and like the realities and the desperation of, of all these different kinds of um, people, but it's honest about it. It's not like this because people can write about these sorts of lives, but a-, a lot of the time I think there's a falseness to it because one, it's written by people who clearly don't have anything to do with these types of people um, and m- might just share the same skin color or something like that. Um, yeah. Which I know you've, you've talked about before. <laughs> We've talked about that a bit too. Yeah. But also I think it's a, um, what they, what people end up doing when they try to write about this is that they, instead of, instead of honoring kind of the story and all of that sort of stuff, they kind of want to project on like ideological ideas. And this just makes the, because ideology is false. So it makes the story ring false. You know what I mean? Like, so being honest and kind of like, um, like you have to be brutally honest about this stuff, you know, like about anything really, not even just like, you know, your hood rat stories, like just, just anything about the human condition, you need to be honest and not like apply some kind of like ideological lens to your writing. Like be like, oh, mm-hmm. this person, um, this person said a slur, so I have to like punish them in some way by the end of the story. You know what I mean? It's like like that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Or it's like, um, yeah, no, when that, that ideology makes its way so much into like this type of fiction, because there's that like uh middle class liberal guilt or whatever or or that like uh that like white savior mentality of like I'm gonna tell the the stories of the oppressed and what and it's like bitch, we were born here, we ain't oppressed like and everybody from like most of the people from these kind of backgrounds are trying to get out, not draw attention to like, Hey, I'm poor. Help me. They're like, no, nah, they're looking at Donald Trump, like a fucking idol. Mm-hmm. They're like, that's going to be me one day. And they're acting like that too. It's not just like, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I've, I've always been, uh, I'm very interested in people. Like people are complicated. They're not just like, even a lot of shit that uh when people say something's got complex characters a lot of times they just mean that like they're shitty it's like no it's not 
it's, it's really not one thing or the other. It's like people are hard to understand. And I like that. I like the honest depiction of that. Like this person might beat their kids and like say save a save a dog that's like caught up in a barbed wire fence or something mm. and then be like their kids hero the kids that they beat like you know people are really complicated you, it, they're hard to pin down so i just uh i don't really have much ideology so that's easy for me to live leave off the page personally mm-hmm. but uh if you're somebody who does a quick hack would just be like don't yeah just don't think about don't think about any of your ideals when you're writing yeah yeah and that is actually a really good tip he's spilling the sauce listeners if you're like a if you're like a budding writer because it is that is a good tip like you just and people want to especially the stuff that uh you know all of these you know you've talked about certain literary com- controversies that happen so have i and, you know, it's kind of fun, like, to, to talk about this stuff. Although sometimes, I don't know, I feel it's probably my Catholic background. I kind of feel a bit guilty. It's kind of like booing at the Special Olympics, you know? Like, it's not these people, like, <laughs> <laughs> these people, like, you know, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. Um, like, so I always feel a bit, <laughs> like, literary <laughs> people are dumb. They are dumb. Yeah. Like, yeah. But especially when they're, like, debating fucking um the copyright issues over their sun power based fantasy oh, novel Jesus or whatever Christ. like yeah. shut up like but anyway so so where was i going with this yeah well, well, when when they talk about this stuff it's all about ideology it's not about like because all of this st- stuff is actually crap with few exceptions like usually sometimes the ideology comes in when the shit is too good. Like, so the Blake Butler thing, like clearly he's very, very good writer. And that whole mm. thing just comes, came about because he's better than all those people who are like complaining about his book. Like that's, that's where that comes from. Like, um, so it's like, but for the most part, it's like all of these people are arguing over like ideology and stuff in books. And it's just sort of pointless. Is the book good? That's all I care about. Like, do I fuck with it? That's all I care about. I don't care about like, oh, this character um, said something or did something and they weren't sufficiently punished in this fucking made up story. (laughs) Like, why are you getting aggravated over this? There was a... There, there was a review of Letting Out the Devils that rubbed me wrong. Not because, and it, it wasn't even that it was negative. It was actually a positive was it on review. Goodreads? No, <laughs> I don't think it was left on Goodreads actually. Um, but uh, it, it was like there was a part of it that said like uh, it mentioned the use of n words and was like I'm assuming, hoping that these characters are black. And I was like, number why, one, why you gotta a, be black? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why they gotta be black? Number one, that's a like that's one of the books where a lot of my stories are uh, like characters are racially ambiguous because it really doesn't matter for mm-hmm. what like they they could be not anybody for, for for where it's at, but they pretty much everybody around here like talks the same has a lot of the same experiences so it could Mm -hmm. be whoever it doesn't matter but um 
that one was like I was especially blatant that he is white, like the dude's white, and it just it rubbed me wrong because it was like a it was like a yearning for dishonesty in the book. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's how people talk mm-hmm. around here, like that's how everybody talks anytime a rapper around here who's not black blows up that's one of the first things people are like whoa i don't think you're allowed to say that and it's mm-hmm. like you ain't from around here because everybody <laughs> talks like this but uh it, and, and i'm like that i'm depicting this place and yeah and obviously i don't really see an issue with it anyways but (laughs) and you can't not do that and then that's what i mean about like the honesty like you don't have to pepper every fucking sentence with the word um podcaster uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, yeah so but like if you don't do that it's just weird and dishonest because like people actually say it and so and you're speaking specifically about a specific part of the world you know it'd be like writing Mm. a uh, a book set in like you know working class Australia and not using cunt now and again you know like and we use it like we use it like that like we say this cunt like or like <laughs> like he's he's this a mad cunt, yeah. he's a mad mad cunt like that sort of stuff you know so it's like and then and people can tell even if you're not from that as backgrounds you can tell you can smell the dis- dishonesty. I'm just imagining that a uh, Denzel Washington training day, like that one, that scene that's constantly gift where he's like, my cunt. <laughs> <laughs> or like, um, silence of the lambs. Uh, uh, when, when he asked, what did he ask you? He, sh- she said, he said, I can smell your cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We yeah, say cunt just- a lot, but now, what I really like don't like about that is how that has been exported to the rest of the world. Like, so the only people who who are allowed to say cunt with that sort of, um, uh, let's say, uh, uh, kind of frequency, are Australians and some people in Britain. That's it. But now, like, you've got American <laughs> Americans, especially gays, being like, "Oh, cunty oh, boost yeah. the house down." It's just like. You, the, my culture is not your costume. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you're wearing Aussie face. Take that yeah, Aussie that's face. That's right. Off. Yeah, Aussie face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that that is that is how uh that's how I feel about uh the N-word actually is that like you can it's not you can say it if you're from down here no matter your color, but anywhere mm. else it's like oh, I don't think you're allowed to say that, bro. I also think that people are very um there's a different sorts of people who have problems with different sorts of things. Like, um, so a lot, probably a lot of gay friends that I know, like have a real problem with the word faggot and I love it. And I don't, and I don't even care what context it's set in. Like it can be said as an epithet and I wouldn't care. Like I still love the word. Like I don't mm-hmm. use it that much because I think it's kind of overplayed, especially with a lot of online culture. People say it oh, yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, it's almost like, um, but you know, I don't care either way. And I don't, I don't understand people who do. It's this sort of like school marmish disciplinary kind of approach to language. It's just like, no, let, let everyone say everything, you know? Yeah. Let everyone say everything. And with uh, just in the right rhythm, like when it rolls off the tongue, it rolls Mm -hmm. off, you know, 
um grant is doing a grant womack mm-hmm. he has a his novel bullet tooth that's coming out this month it um he's going through the process of auditioning for uh or receiving auditions for the audiobook mm-hmm. and his books are peppered mm-hmm. with a, like like you said like it's not like i'm laying the sauce on thick with the his shit is like boondock saints wolf of wall street level with the n-word <laughs> and um bullet tooth he, he was saying like you know he was calling for black narrators specifically to just assume like to be able to pull it off and everything and it for it to come out naturally and whatever but he said this white guy auditioned and he was like well okay he he wasn't automatically like no i said i want a black narrative he was like all right let me see how and he was like he's doing all right with the delivery for a while until he got to that word i can just imagine (laughs) he's like it it's like he had never said it in his life and didn't even know how to pronounce this shit Oh my god, I, I'm just imagining this. this that that would be a really funny like idea for a skit or something. Like, uh, yeah, I was picturing that. And different like, takes, kind of, like, yeah. <laughs> can 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 I just try that again? In the, in the like, you got like a studio full of like full of black people behind the keyboard, and they're just like, yeah, okay, let's run that back <laughs> one more time. He's like, I'm just, I'm sorry, I want to, I want to get this right for y'all. I'm just, <clears throat> okay, I'm, 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 I'm gonna deliver on it this time. And then, and then, like the 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 skit develops, and it turns, and you realize that um, he's actually really good at it, but like he's just using it as an opportunity to say it as much as possible. <laughs> just say it as many people. times as he can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just goes around to like auditions of like black novelists for their audio books. Like, just just does that constantly, just so he to be, can to be the white guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's a specifically calling for black narrator. He's like, oh, I know, I know why, I know why. Here, let me, let me get in here. Just let me give it a good well, college try, guys. Yeah, well, that's I, I can understand you like specifically calling for black narrators too, because it's like, I'm sure Grant doesn't really have that much of a problem with it, but maybe other people would like. <laughs> You know, like he might get in trouble for that. Like if, if, if a white guy read for it, it was really good and he hired him, like someone might be like, you took away a job from a black man or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. 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 Funny. Well, I've, I've worked and I've done some shit in the voice industry and there's not any jobs being taken from black people. Trust me. <laughs> they're, they're, they, they might not sound black when you hear, but. I was like, damn, most of these people like doing these voices are actually, there's a lot of black people. Doing really? Anime English dubs, especially and shit like that. Oh yeah. yeah. You wouldn't know it by hearing it. They mostly sound they're... like cartoon characters, but this means they're a good voice actor, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I loved, uh, uh, daddy's in a snuff film that was originally published with a different title. Wasn't it? It no, it, it, so um, there was a completely different story, nothing okay. close to that same story with the same title. Oh, okay, yeah. And I just loved that title so much mm. that I was like, 
I had written the original thing with that title and it got accepted and published in an anthology uh, that's full of honestly a, a lot of much better stories than that one. And I felt like I, I really need to do this title justice because it's so good. Hmm. And uh, that's another reason that now I don't really like, you know, I'll get invited to write for this or that. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't really work well on a deadline or nothing. Hmm. When people hmm. are like, hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, fuck, you just killed it for me. I'm like, I don't know. I like to rape the publishing world, basically. But it's <laughs> like, don't ask me. Don't consent to this. Don't. Yeah. But Don't like, tell me you want it. Yeah, you it's funny. Killed it for me. It's funny though. Like when when I was yeah when I was reading this, like this is one of these th- times though where I was like, this really affected me. But it, I think it affected me because like I could tell where the autobiographical stuff came in because you were very mm. open about talking about this sort of stuff when you were um, <laughs> on your podcast and and elsewhere. Um, so I was like, but yeah, it it really works. Like it's one of those. Um, I love the rep- the repetitive uh, kind of phrase. I love you and I'm sorry. Um, that one really made me cry. <laughs> um, so even though it's like really fucked up too, like it's about he's going to be, he's literally going to be in a snuff film, but but like that kind of sense of desperation of like needing to provide for your family um, and, you know, to the point where you'll get your head cut off in a snuff film. Um, the thing that's really that was really affecting about that was as well was that um i'm not sure that this guy's gonna get paid <laughs> no yeah probably not i don't know the logistics of how like the snuff film industry works is that it's not it's like who are you gonna tell <laughs> you yeah <know>? exactly so yeah, yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm glad that implication kind of hit there too because mm-hmm. yeah i, I thought that that'd be a nice little sense of dread of like mm. oh man but that just adds to the like that feeling of hopelessness which yeah no i was feeling like that's one of the most autobiographical joints in there where like i was like this whole last year like 2023 fucking sucked you know we were off mic talking about all this come up shit and like perfect scenario all this shit like really popping off for me now but uh it came at the end of a fucking the, the the worst time of my life of yeah. my life where i really was like a, I was double checking triple checking that i actually had a life insurance policy because i was like well shit i mean at least my family gets 90k if i just blow my brains out right now like mm. it, it's like tough and so that was even you know the amount too that he's probably not actually going to get when he was like, well, at least if I do this snuff film, my family will get $30,000. Mm. Like, Shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you didn't <laughs> because um, <laughs> yeah, I think you're really talented. And I, I actually think that this is a big year for a lot of people, but I think it's a big year for you too. And lots of shit coming on the horizon. So um, there's a, there's a lot of good, astrological energy to harness this year if you yeah like what what, what's the astrological energy what's i don't know much about astrology well like so i'm gonna fuck up the planets now because they (laughs) all just get the reason i'm not really good at uh i look at astrology like the weather like i do Mm -hmm. check that shit like every single day and i check it up against my birth chart and like all kinds of shit 
but I retain none of it. Mm-hmm. I just remember what I thought. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Okay. I'm like looking at it and I'm like, uh, it's another thing I'll be honest about too. All last year, I knew it was going to suck. I was like, I hope I make it out of this year alive because mm-hmm. this is looking bad. This is looking really bad. Um, but this year is like the first half of it being like, if you if you hustle it'll actually like pay off like it's where like all of 2023 was like somebody just had a grip of the hose and was like nah i ain't letting none of this shit through no matter how hard you try like you're on the other end of it and i'm way back here like kinking this shit it's not gonna happen no matter Mm. how hard you try first half of 2024 is like hustle reaps reward Mm -hmm. in minimal ways it's like in a okay the ground is actually fertile now for you to go and plant some shit. And then the latter half of 2024 is like, okay, now it's harvest season, baby. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. as long as you've been like sticking to it, then shit is going to pop off. Like it's a good year. It's a really bad year geopolitically, but I (laughs) don't really care about the rest of the world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think it is geopolitical politically pretty bad but like i feel like i i get the sense there's a lot of good stuff around people that i'm that i vibe with and that i like and know and stuff happening this year um that's my like prediction anyway not necessarily astrological just like something that i've been feeling i don't know um you guess, and- yeah no a lot of people feel that vibe too mm-hmm. like every time everybody i've mentioned it to just just being like shit's gonna pop off this year mm-hmm. and i think especially certain people the i'm pretty open uh not all out in public but around if you're in my vicinity i tend to be pretty open about shit and uh so especially when it comes from me who's like man i'm just i'm just walking around with a gun in my mouth these days to where i'm like i think shit's really finna pop off it's like oh you you can you enjoy it might it might like that might be something like it's coming from a genuine place that's not just me saying shit Mm, mm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't feel that like last year, but I, I did feel the beginnings of it, of something's going to happen, uh, last year, end of last year. So that's coming into this year, I guess. But yeah, um, feel it in my waters as, um, Kath from Kath and Kim says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to do an episode on Kath and Kim one soon. I don't know if you know what, what that is, but it's a really mm-hmm. funny Australian comedy show. But, uh, anyway, um, yeah. And then we get into like, after all the hood rat stuff, we get into like the more supernatural stuff. Obviously I mentioned before, there's that great, um, kind of historical fiction about what is that like there, did you base that on any kind of like, did you do his research into that? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, camp Bragg was this, uh, this camp and actually they brought over like, um, they brought people from Puerto Rico over and sent them to this camp to like basically build it. It was like really harsh winters and everybody was like, you know, not, nah, it'll be it, fine. It's in like, North Carolina, right? Yeah. It's in North Carolina. And these people from Puerto Rico, like that enlisted and whatever, they were told that, you know, you'd get this much per day. You'd be going somewhere that to a climate that you're used to and blah, blah, blah. They sent the motherfuckers out into the snow and like hauling timber and shit and burning shit out in the this harsh cold weather that they're not used to at all people were like dying people were like 
um i can't remember now how much i spun into like how uh uh how belligerent it gets or whatever but like uh or how riotous it gets towards the end but it it was like uh it was pretty fucked up um and i the prompt for that came from uh homie of mine uh michael kazeppis he was editing an anthology that was supposed to be this uh it started out way back as a different anthology and then it turned into this bleak friday the sort of like a short sample anthology of just like some bleak ass stories but it started out as a call for like um anti-fascist stories and i saw that prompt and i was like i already know where a lot of people are gonna take this especially because this was in like 2016 i think Mm -hmm. that the call was made and so i was like i already know what people are gonna be writing and i wanted to surprise people one i didn't know how the fuck i like i fucking hate antifa that's not the side that i'm on with all that shit so like uh i wouldn't know exactly how to spin a story in that direction so i just started thinking like i I was thinking at first like hitler type shit right and then i carried it back even further i was like well it made me read more into like uh that kind of shit because i thought world war ii first and i was like i don't really know shit about world war one like what was going on i was like let me go back further let me surprise these motherfuckers even more You'd be like, where did this come from? And so I started researching that shit, and it really, that low-key kind of shit that didn't really have anything to do with the war itself kind of fascinated me and just digging into the uh, that kind of fucked up shit. Because I could kind of relate to that. It, like, being, I, I can imagine being, like, you know, I'm from down South Texas. You send my ass up to North Carolina being like, it'll, it'll be cool. You know, I've been fucked over on jobs before. They're like, Hey, it's going to be great. It'll be this and that. You'll be, you'll be good. You'll do great. And you get there and you're like, what the fuck? But, uh, so yeah, that's where, that's where all that came from. That was my first real story. Apparently this is where I proved I was a real writer. Oh, really? Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the editor, the editor, shout out Michael Kazepis. What's, um, was that the first story you ever did that was sort of like I'm based on research? Because I've never written anything based on research. Usually, I'll bring research into it, but like that seems like a um a Tim Powers sort of uh, <laughs> kind of yeah. Do the uh, research yeah, first, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, yeah. I th- I think that's I think that's what the editor meant to by oh you are a real writer. It, like it, it's <laughs> like oh you'll go and hunt things down, not just you know. Uh, stick stick to your lane or whatever um yeah probably first and maybe only from what i can remember interesting i can't yeah i can't think of anything off the top of my head that i've written because i saw something Mm. um so uh, the other one that I really liked, the the more trippy ones, like, I love that you kind of end with the trippier ones. Like, uh, I love the jellyfish and geometry one. <laughs> that one slapped. I love that. Um, like, and I didn't even, you don't even realize, well, I didn't anyway, until the end that it's like some kind of astral projection going on or some shit like that. Is, yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that was really funny uh, and kind of, 
What's really funny is like, yeah, you always get, uh, you always get a little bit of desperation. You get a little bit of like horror and then, but also like we, we get some laughs as well. It's not like relentless sort of misery. And that story like kind of, um, really had all three and quite in quite, um, a sort of shorter length too, which was funny. Um, how did you, where did that one come from? I'm glad that one hit. So that one, uh, came from the title. I was, I said the phrase jellyfish and geometry. Oh, it came from a dream. So, right. I was telling the broken river chat about this dream I had in which I was sitting on a, like a cedar porch overlooking. I think I even put the dream in there like one of the characters is saying that he had this dream and that's mm, where the jellyfish mm. and geo- i had that dream that he's mm. talking about and i was like what does that mean jellyfish and geometry and so then i was like uh i, I said that to the group and then simmons was like yo you got to put that in a story somewhere like i don't care how but that's just that's too hard like you got to put that in a story and uh so then i was thinking of um these podcasters talking because i was like i don't know how to put this in a store like it, it'd be like you have to have people talking for some reason and i was like okay well what if it's just podcasters talking but i was like that's a stupid story though just podcasters talking that's to each so other good. and then i was like okay so where are they what would it would be cool if everything's on fire it's the end of the world and then i just kept making shit up like that until it and then, and then, yeah, I was like, and then they're not even in the studio. They're actually yeah. projecting in this play. I, for, I forgot to mention too, for the listeners as well. Yeah, it is a, it's a, prob- the first ever short story I've read that's about podcasters. So yeah, really oh, good. Yeah. And I, you can see the agitator influence there too. <laughs> I, um, I, I directly ripped the names off. I'm always bad at names. And so I just, uh, the the names of the characters in that are Slim and Fry because they rhyme with Glenn and Sai. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and they're astral projecting. Of course, that's what they would be yep, doing at the yep. end of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about it's a story about rare candy at the yeah. end of the world. <laughs> did you tell them that? I did. Yeah, I was like, y'all are in a story in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I also really liked uh, Flesh and Blood. It was sort of. Uh, that one was really cool because it's sort of like a um uh very similar to like the earlier stories but like has this like fantastical twist to it and and almost had a like a pinocchio illusion which i which yeah. i quite liked yeah um i think that's that's the oldest joint in there um, oh really yeah i wrote that back in like 2014 i think 2013 yeah, like 2013. Um, oh, shit, now now it's all coming back to me. That's the that's the story I wrote front to back on like this crazy locked in Adderall high. I was like oh, at wow. the peak of like I'd popped like 800 milligrams and was like just was this, was this before, during, or after the meth years? <laughs> during, during. Okay. This is when. So why didn't you I just? Was... Why weren't you just on meth then? Well, this is when I was realizing Adderall is so much better. Is it? I've never yeah, had meth. Yeah. I've had Adderall and yeah, it's good. 
Yeah, no, you've had the good shit then. Yeah. Well, because it's straight amphetamine and meth mm-hmm. is like bathtub cop, garbage. Cop, yeah. Yeah. It's like amphetamine is what that's what you want out of meth. Mm. The meth part you could actually do without. Like just pop some amphetamine. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I was just locked in front to back, wrote that story exactly how it is, sent it off, and then uh forgot about it. And then got an email like, hey, like I could log into my submittable thing and it'll be like, you know, uh, rejection, rejection, withdrawal, whatever. And that's that story will be in there once. And it says accepted. It's like (laughs) just this really bizarre way that that one came about. Um, Yeah. And I was also very uh, I didn't edit any of these going back. Maybe a little. There were a couple of things that just didn't make sense being on paper versus being for like an online thing. Because I think the gas tank had like hashtags in it and shit in the original. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't like the way hashtags look in print. So I'm even do I, it not... looks ugly. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm I'm gonna take these out. Even at, even at work when I have to write up stories of like shitty celebrities and their Instagram like captions and stuff, I always just leave the hashtags out. I just like yeah it just looks awful in copy you know it's like and and that's not that's it's not like that's what they said like that wasn't the caption that was part of the tagging of it like mm. yeah um and, unless you commit to it and you do something like the sluts how the sluts is all online message board like the mm-hmm. entire book mm-hmm. uh trying to incorporate different internet shit into onto paper just just looks off um yeah so i did shit like take that out but like flesh and blood i didn't edit that or anything from what it was originally and like i said it was like it was from like 10 years ago now and uh i I was like directly ripping off um stephen graham jones voice there with the like yeah and like and the like uh all the m dashes and uh stopping mid-sentence and all that shit i was like just straight up on some stephen graham jones Mm fanboy shit so this is sort of like a um i got a trajectory of like your your style right i guess not necessarily chronologically but like it's a a monument to like how you've developed would you say yeah yeah for sure like it's a it's weirdly structured in that way because yeah i like like i said i arrange the shit in a way that i think flows front to back not necessarily like so it's not chronological but um it's pretty it's pretty much untouched so it is like this kind of mixture of uh voices this kind of mixtape sort of a a bit less less an album more a mixtape of like like when uh Lil Wayne hops on a Swizz beat and then hops on like Gucci Mane's Lemonade it's like oh what's he gonna do on here now you gotta switch it up a bit and yeah so a bit a bit of fucking around and uh that's a great way of putting it. Like it is, it does feel like that too. It's got the same energy as a, as a mixtape, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, was there anything else you would like to sort of say about the writing of this um, before we move on to the Patreon? It it damn near killed me to make it to the end of there. There was a so you can't better buy it. <laughs> yeah, you better you better go out and buy it. I dedicated it to everybody who kept praying your boy stays out the pen or the grave because yeah, it was it was a rough it was a rough year getting this one out. If it had dropped when it was supposed to, then you know it had been a different story because I, I meant to drop it closer to the beginning of the year but it was just a it was a rough fucking year kept pushing back the when i could get it wrapped up and everything um yeah yeah like the first draft of daddy's in a snuff film of this version of daddy's in a snuff film was basically just an actual suicide note mm-hmm. i was like this will be the last thing i ever write and then but yeah they pressed but- on in terms of like where you're going next, you're you're working on like your your big prose opus right at the moment, right? Yes. You're still on that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Your um, no, was... book of the new sun, Kelby's <laughs> Kelby's version of that, I guess. Um, My hood rat cloud atlas. That's <laughs> right, that's right. But then you're sort of moving it after that. You're kind of moving into um, more film and TV, right? That's where you. Yeah, 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 and starting. I mean, during that process, because uh, I'm gonna take my time with that book. I do like I have a lot of. I know kind of what I want it to be, and that's why I say it'll be my last thing because mm-hmm. it'll be everything. It'll be everything I have to say in prose form. Like for me to say anything else, I'll have to use a different medium. Like this mm-hmm. is it. This is all I can do with books, and since I'm stretching it to that limit, I want it, I want it to be what it's going to be. So 6,000 pages or something. (laughs) (laughs) It was six. I'm shooting for 600. I said a thousand at first, which would be easy. I could reach a thousand pages with it, but I really, I I want six to six to be the number so bad. Like just, it's one of my angel numbers. So like magical purposes, I want it to, if it's going to be my last book, I want it to have like some juju behind it, like Mm -hmm. some, some magical shit going on with it. So, uh, yeah, that's the number I'm shooting for and I got to pull it off. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be, I'm going to be working on it for a little bit, but, uh, yeah, getting into film stuff, it just. I don't know. I just go with whatever's working and that's what, that's what's happening right now. So um, I've got, I've got big, big plans for all that shit. Yeah. It's good. It's good to see. Um, Like, like we said before, uh, you know, stuff, stuff is popping off this year. So um, yeah, it's good to see that uh, you got this short story collection out. I really recommend it to everyone. And it's not just because I like Kelby, although this is a weird thing as well. Like you, you read your friends, like um well online friends writing i guess um and just you just like oh this is good because i can see you in it but then i read other friends writing as well like online or offline and i don't feel that way you know what i mean like so Uh i know when it's good you know and it's not just because i think you're cool that i think your shit is cool like i think I, i it's clear because i've read other friends writing before and be like eh (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so yeah. I know, I know that pe- that it's not just from I really like this person, therefore I really like this. Because 
there are people who I really like whose work I don't really like. And that's fine, you know? Um, but yeah, heartily recommend. <laughs> appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Really glad you fuck with it. Yeah. Um, anytime, uh, yeah, you what you want to promote anything, come on, come along and uh, we'll talk about this a thousand uh, page novel uh, maybe, or the 626. Maybe that's what it yes. should be called. <laughs> we'll see. It's heathenish, <laughs> heathenish Shaman is the, the title of it at the moment. That's a, that's a cool title. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> my first, uh, or my first broken river joint at least was called heathenish. And that was kind of like, that was like my auto fiction thing. So mm-hmm. that kind of became my tag. Like that's, that's who I am. And so this thing is like the other end of mm-hmm. that, like the flip side of that coin. So I was like, I got to have heathenish something yeah. as this. Yeah. So um, thank you for coming on, uh, Kelby. If you want to hear more, there's going to be a Patreon episode, patreon.com slash getting lit. Um, it's going to be very fun and ridiculous. Kelby doesn't know what I have planned for it. We'll probably let just like shoot the shit a little bit more, but there's something very specific that I got planned for it and it's going to be really funny. So um, on the edge of my along. seat, I'm burning <laughs> to find out what, what the fuck is up. Uh, you're either going to like really love it or really hate it. Like it, it's going to be, it's either way, it's going to be excellent material. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I'm, I'm all about bringing, bringing the goods to people. All Let's right. Go. Well, that's it for the free episode. Uh, See you over on Patreon. Come, are they gonna be saved? Who need to